renders itself incapable of finding proof. I maintain, then, and here I diverge from the many accommodationists who see religion and science, if not harmonious or complementary, at least as not in conflict, that religion and science are engaged in a kind of war, a war for understanding, a war about whether we should have good reasons for what we accept as true. Although this book deals with the conflict between religion and science, I see this as only one battle in a wider war, a war between rationality and superstition. Religion is but a single brand of superstition. Others include beliefs in astrology, paranormal phenomena, homeopathy, and spiritual healing. But it is the most widespread and harmful form of superstition. And science is but one form of rationality. Philosophy and mathematics are others. But it is a highly developed form— and the only one capable of describing and understanding reality. All superstitions that purport to give truths are actually forms of pseudoscience, and all use similar tactics to immunize themselves against disproof. As we'll hear, advocates of pseudosciences like homeopathy or ESP often support their beliefs using the same arguments employed by theologians to defend their faith. While the science versus religion debate is one battle in the war between rationality and irrationality, I concentrate on it for several reasons. First, the controversy has become more widespread and visible, most likely because of a new element in the criticism of religion. The most novel aspect of new atheism, the form of disbelief that distinguishes the views of writers like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins from the old atheism of people like Jean-Paul Sartre and Bertrand Russell, is the observation that most religions are grounded in claims that can be regarded as scientific. That is, God and the tenets of many religions are hypotheses that can, at least in principle, be examined by science and reason. If religious claims can't be substantiated with reliable evidence, the argument goes, they should, like dubious scientific claims, be rejected until more data arrive. This argument is buttressed by new developments in science in areas like cosmology, neurobiology, and evolutionary biology. Discoveries in those fields have undermined religious claims that phenomena like the origin of the universe and the existence of human morality and consciousness defy scientific explanation and are therefore evidence for God. Seeing their bailiwick shrinking, the faithful have become more insistent that religion is actually a way of understanding nature that complements science. But the most important reason to concentrate on religion rather than other forms of irrationality is not to document a historical conflict, but because, among all forms of superstition, religion has by far the most potential for public harm. Few are damaged by belief in astrology, but as we'll hear in the final chapter, many have been harmed by belief in a particular god or by the idea that faith is a virtue. I have both a personal and a professional interest in this argument, for I've spent my adult life teaching and studying evolutionary biology, the brand of science most vilified and rejected by religion. And a bit more biography is in order. I was raised as a secular Jew, an upbringing that, as most people know, is but a hair's breadth from atheism. But my vague beliefs in a god were abandoned almost instantly. When, at seventeen, I was listening to the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album and suddenly realized that there was simply no evidence for the religious claims I had been taught, or for anybody else's either.
From the beginning, then, my unbelief rested on an absence of evidence for anything divine. Compared with that of many believers, my rejection of God was brief and painless, but after that I didn't think much about religion until I became a professional scientist. There's no surer route to immersion in the conflict between science and religion than becoming an evolutionary biologist. Nearly half of Americans reject evolution completely, espousing a biblical literalism in which every living species, or at least our own, was suddenly created from nothing less than 10,000 years ago by a divine being. And most of the rest believe that God guided evolution one way or another, a position that flatly rejects the naturalistic view accepted by evolutionary biologists, that evolution, like all phenomena in the universe, is a consequence of the laws of physics without supernatural involvement. In fact, only about one in five Americans accepts evolution in the purely naturalistic way scientists see it.